this has been a very, very special service, good special move of the Lord. Philippians 3.10 That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. And you may be seated. I want to speak on this subject that I may know Him. Praise God. I'd made mention there's just such a great, a wonderful move of the Lord. You know, to be in God's house with God's people, we serve a great God. And we have some great brothers and sisters here in the house of the Lord. I'll tell you, it is just fun to come to church, isn't it? It really is. I don't know, in the last six months or so, I've had so many people to... Uh, take me out to lunch and supper. And Sister Wittenbach made one of those chocolate pies. Got the cherries on them. And I was just reading a book this past week, and they're talking about cherries and the importance that they play in in, in losing weight. <clears throat> Man, I just wanted. To, uh, I thought about going down and just buying a. <clears throat> Cut her off at the pass. <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> Isn't that something? <clears throat> I'm telling you, this this little girl is quite a sweetheart. I walked up to her one time, and uh, our young people, when we took them on the trip, a couple of our young people found out that that I could make a certain facial expression. And so I walked up to her, and I did that, and guess what she did? She did it right back. I'm telling you, and we laughed and laughed and laughed. We go, do it. Who said that anyway? I'll tell you what I'll do. If you come up here and stand beside me and try it, I'll do it. Well, then don't ask me. <laughs> Jeanette's idea. <clears throat> But I've had so many baked goods and things. You know, one time, one time I thought I was a missionary. I, I really thought I was I was called of God, and I couldn't figure out why. I couldn't make up my mind as to what country to go to. I either wanted to go to Hungary or Chile, and I. <laughs> 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 you know what I looked on a chart the other day and did you know seriously I am really supposed to be seven foot six <laughs> talking about being under tall <laughs> oh my <clears throat> You know, you you learn a lot about people when you're with them. I went to the ball game the other night, and I'll tell you, our our teams did such a superb job. Really, they did. They just the girls won the softball. Our boys did a great job. I'll tell you, they did. Um, our we have a young team, but uh, volleyball. What did I say? Well, volleyballs are soft. <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> I had to get out of that. See, I knew it. I knew it was volleyball. See, because I knew they were hitting home runs. So I knew it was volleyball. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the girls did. And you know, we had some great cheerleaders. I found out. <clears throat> Sister Fisher. The, the two Sister Fishers are quite the cheer, cheerleading groups. I'm telling you, they they do a great job. You learn a lot when you watch these kids play, and you learn a lot about 
how the, why the kids are the way they are. I mean, for good or for whatever, you know. <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you, really. And, and I saw that little Eric Seidel. You're talking about going down that basketball court, and he took that ball and zoom. And, man, I'm telling you, big old guys chasing him. You know, he was one of the smaller ones, and his eyes were just about this big around, and he was ahead of all of them. And <clears throat> he just did a great job. Everybody did a great job. Everybody did a great job. Praise God. And it seems like the more you're with your brothers and sisters, the more precious they become to you. And uh, <clears throat> then they've been giving me these special. I ended up with a little throat problem. I made mention of it, and I ended up with some. Uh, what did I have the first time? Uh, it wasn't water. Brother Martin brought it up here. What would you bring? Mountain Dew. Orange juice. Orange juice. Then I had uh, white grape juice. And this morning I had iced tea with peach. And tonight I have Pepsi. Can you believe that? <clears throat> now, I think it's diet Pepsi. But... Uh, the Lord has moved in a great way. And I mentioned this, the more you interact with your brothers and sisters, the more precious they become to you. I get a little bit concerned about people who get distant and independent. <clears throat> they usually just don't make it. Very rarely do you find someone that just comes to church, goes home, minds their own business, and never has anything to do with anyone that makes it spiritually. And you get so linked up with your brothers and sisters, and they become very valuable to you. Now, I'm preaching tonight, or teaching, or treaching, or screeching, or whatever, on the subject that I may know him. It is also that way with God, that the more you interact with him, the more you become linked up with God. Uh, recently, the Lord's just been so, just so wonderful to me. So wonderful. I have a big concern, and that is that people become so extended, or maybe I should say overextended, that they don't have time for God. You know, you could, it would be real easy for me to see us, in the days of Jesus with our busy schedule turning out to be Pharisees. Pharisees were people who really loved the law, but they didn't seem to be too much in love with the God of the law. That is actually what a legalist is. A person who loves the law more than the God of the law. Liberalist, on the other hand, is a person who seemingly, or at least they say they love God, but they don't love the law of God. And uh, there is the in-between, and that is the revivalist, who loves God, and yet he loves the law of God. And that is so very, very important. But, you know, if I could... Sometimes ministers have a problem with communicating to people their true feelings. All of you who preach, you know what I'm talking about. If you teach, you, you know what I'm talking about. If you taught search for truth, haven't you prayed and sought the Lord and fasted and gone into a home to teach? And if you could just somehow get the people to feel what you're feeling. You know, it's... If, if somehow I could get all of you to understand how close Paul was to God, yet he did not take his relationship for granted. He did not. Don't know of a man that you can find in the Bible that had a greater relationship with the Lord than the Apostle Paul. He just, he really had a great relationship with God. He even mentions in the scripture, in 
Philippians 3.14, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. Now, does this sound like a man who had already lived 30-something years past Calvary, that had experienced such a great move of God, he had verbally communicated with God, he'd spent years in the Arabian desert in the presence of God. Most people would be trying to convince you how much they knew about God and how close they were to God. And we all seem to want to rally around people that we think are close to God because in doing so, that kind of rubs off on us. But the truth of the matter is, we all need that special time with God. And I don't want to see this church or any individual becoming so busy that they can't spend a lot of time with God because you cannot make it without God. You just simply can not make it without God. It's necessary. It is just necessary. And I know sometimes... And it's, it's misunderstood, but I have to build fences around myself in order to spend time with God. Now, <clears throat> I have not done this, but I'm sure if I did this, I'd find out that on Thursdays, which I usually spend time preparing for Thursday night, that I, I, it, it, at least it appears that I get more telephone calls on Thursday than any other day. It just, just seems like that. You can set a time in which you're going to be with God, and, and if you do not guard this, you know, like a junkyard bulldog, uh, you'll find that there will always be something that comes up that just takes you away from God. And I think it's just so necessary that we understand. Paul says in Ephesians 2, verse 6, that we're made to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but just recently, I've just been wanting to spend time alone with God. Sit in heavenly places. Uh, this happened in July of last year. I went to preach at a church, and I walked in the door, and the people were standing, and they were singing. <clears throat> So they asked me to come up to the platform. I came to the platform. And I, I was standing because everybody else was standing. Would you believe that everyone in that church stood throughout the whole preliminaries? I mean, they were standing there. And, of course, I was standing. And then it came time for me to preach. Well, I'm going to stand while I, I preach. So I did. And then I gave an altar call, and I stood behind the pulpit for a while, and then the pastor, or the man in charge, the MC of the service, he got up, and he said, I'd like for everybody to stand. So everybody stood, and we stood there for a while while he talked. Finally, he dismissed. I went throughout that entire service without sitting. Now, that would not be a chore for some of you. And I know I have stood on jobs, uh, you know, but lately I've just had some problems with uh, some health problems, and, and I've got a nerve problem in, in my left leg. And, and after a while, it just goes, it's like it goes to sleep and starts burning and tingling. And you've probably seen me just come and sit just momentarily. I just sit down. You know, and, and just sit there for 10 minutes and it, it, everything's back to normal. I stand back up. And uh, everything's all right. I'm going to tell you one thing before I finish preaching. I thought this would be the shortest sermon I ever preached. I don't know that it was, but I'm to, I was hurting. I was just plain hurting. I thought, oh, God, just help me, Lord, somehow to make it. I was persevering as much as I possibly could. It was an endurance test for me. I said, my, well, 
I don't know that anybody else thought much about it because, you know, for the most part, everybody was seated, but not me. I was standing. And I have thought so many times how weary we get when we just can't sit. Now, I grew up in East Texas. I worked on the farm a lot. My grandfather raised cotton. Now, we chopped all this cotton by hand. I meant with a hoe. We chopped it. It had to be thinned out. All the weeds had to be taken out. And some of those rows were so long. Oh, my. Looks like Don Izell knows what that's all about. You ever chop cotton? Oh, man. You've been there a few times. And, and the heat waves would come up. There were times when you couldn't even see the other end of the field because of the heat waves. You say, Lord of heaven, how did I get myself in such a mess? <clears throat> I mean, chop cotton. When I first started, you know, I was a pre-teenager. You know, I, I was probably, uh, I think, nine or ten years old when I first started chopping cotton. I got a dollar and twenty-five cents a week. It's not much money. So I asked my grandfather about a raise. He said, "Son, I have to put up with you." <laughs> I was wondering if I couldn't ask you for a raise. Kind of settle the issue. But I mean, you just chop and chop. You said, "Oh my." So we chopped to one end and back, and we chopped back to the wagon. We had a wagon and, and uh, mules tied there, and that was our transportation to get to the field. And we always had a jug of water. No ice now. Just a jug of water. And we wrap it in a gunny sack. Down south they call them tow sacks. Wrap it in a tow sack, and you keep it wet. And you put it in the shade of the wagon wheel. Well, wagon wheels are not solid, so sometimes the sun changes directions, not always in the shade. You get back there, and, man, you'd sit underneath that wagon, I would, and I'd just stretch out. I'd say, oh, God. My grandpa, he'd say, my grandpa was born in the world to work me. That's what I figured. He'd say, let's go. Get up, John. Let's go. Man. My grandfather was about five foot six. My mother's dad, and he weighed no more than 120 pounds. Now, I obviously did not inherit one gene from him. <clears throat> I don't think my mother did either. <laughs> it's her dad. He's just a little tiny guy. Man, he could just go and go and go and go and go and go and go. When I was 10 or 11 years old, I was as big as he was. And I couldn't figure out how he could get work. Man, he'd work, and he'd work, and he'd work, and he'd work, and he'd work. <clears throat> and then we'd lay the cotton by in July, and then it'd come cotton picking time. We'd pick the cotton by hand, pull these long sacks, put that cotton in. Oh, God. Isn't there more to life than this? Now, let me, let me tell you something. But you see, that same weariness you can get in your spiritual life. That's what happens when you don't take your spiritual break. I referred to this book several times in, in a message. I just recommended this book this past week to a couple, The Rhythm of Life. The Rhythm of Life. It's found throughout the Bible that man should work Man should worship, man should rest, and man should play. And, uh, now, this may surprise you, but in the Old Testament, the Sabbath day was not a worship day. I don't know if you knew that or not. It was really a day of rest. And the New Testament Christians, because they worship then on Sunday, because that was the pattern of the New Testament, because the Lord rose on the first day of the week, it became customary then that man worked five days a week and not six. And Saturday then was a day of rest. 
which was taken from the Old Testament Sabbath. Now, when the Bible says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, if you want to find out how you keep it holy, take a careful look in the Old Testament. You kept it holy by doing absolutely nothing, period. That's how you kept it holy. Really, it was not a day of worship. Now, the day of worship in the New Testament, which is commonly called the Lord's Day, or the Christian Sabbath, was on the first day of the week, patterned after the Lord coming forth from the tomb on the first day of the week, and it was a worship day. And it was a it was the fulfillment of the Old Testament Saturday Sabbath. We receive rest in our body, which is necessary, but that was a type or a shadow of something to come, the Holy Ghost, that we entertain on the first day of the week, gives us rest in our souls. And I don't like to see people taking Sunday and just tying it up with shopping trips and a lot of other things. You may say, is it a sin? Well, it probably will end up being a weight more than a sin that will just tie you up so that when you get in the house of God, you know you've got 14 million things on your brain when you get here. You're not likely to just walk in here and just unplug the cord from all activities. I know sometimes we minister, we say, we just leave everything behind. Well, that's not too easy, you know. Well, it is for some people. Some people never get plugged up to start with. Nothing ever bothers them. There are some people that way. Others just stay plugged up all the time. You have to be able to come in the house of God. You have to disassociate yourself from everything out there and take some time to be with Jesus. It's necessary. Don't be uptight about anything. You know, just, just don't. It's a beautiful thing to come here. Sometimes Christians have conflicts. I just throw this in. I've, I've talked with a good number of people in the congregation, so I'm not speaking to any particular person. I don't like to see people solve conflicts while they're at church. And whenever I have to deal with something heavy, I try to schedule it some of the time then on Sunday. I can't always do that. Because I think that everybody needs to be able to come to church without all this heavy on heaviness in their mind. Well, I've got to meet with the pastor out of ch- after church or before church. and We've got to go over all this or that. I don't like that. I like for that person to feel that they can come and worship without any harassment. You, know, you follow what I'm saying? They can come here and they can pour their heart out to God. I think you understand the line of logic that 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 this should be a time, and you know it's it's like a game preserve where all the wild animals seem to know the boundaries. You know, <clears throat> you're gonna fly in there, and we're gonna eat for a while. When you cross over the fence, make sure you're flying high because there's hunters down below. And I say, when you come here, make sure when you leave, you're flying high. Because there's a whole lot of devils out there that are ready to shoot you down. Now Jesus talks about this new intimacy that he came to create in John 15, 15. Henceforth I called you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. You ever like together at the feet of some people, so to speak, that seem to always know about everything that's going on in the kingdom of God. Now, Brother Cisco's a great one for that. I, every time I get with him, he's telling me, oh, I mean, he's got more information. I said, how in the world, Brother Cisco? You must stay on the phone all the time. He knows, every, he knows what's happening in Ethiopia. He knows what's happening in Japan. He knows what's happening in, in Podunk, Texas. You know, he knows it all. I said, where do you learn? But I just love to be with him because he just seems to have an inside track on everything that's happening. Every now and then, I, I called Brother 
Billy Cole. I said, Brother, Brother Cole, talk to me for a while. What's happening? And he just pours his heart out to me. You know, <clears throat> if there's anything that's happening in this city, I want to be a part of it. I want to know. I don't want to be a sideline Christian, a spectator. You know, the church has got too many taters, spectators and dictators, <laughs> imitators. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> I want to be a participator. Really, I want to. I want in on what God's doing. And, and and I'll tell you what I believe when I read the scripture. God wants me in on what He's doing. He wants me in on what He's doing. <clears throat> now the gospel's revealed to some people. Some people it's not. Second Corinthians four three, the Bible says, if this gospel is hid, it is hid to those that are lost. There's some people that they just seem to never get that link there. They, they, they just seem to never, they don't know what's going on. They never receive real revelations of what Jesus is doing. Psalm 25, 14 and Proverbs 3, 32 both tell us about the secrets of the Lord, that they are re- revealed to them that fear Him, those that respect Him. Those are involved in this this intimacy. And you know, as a preacher, you have to have an inside track on some information. You've got to know what God's doing. You've got to know what God's doing in the lives of people. You, you have to know this. And you have to be able to help them. I remember, you remember Sister uh, uh, Lucille uh, Carnes? You remember Sister Carnes? Sister Carnes came to our church <clears throat> right after I came to Madison. And so she was praying for the Holy Ghost. She she prayed and prayed and prayed, and I've never seen anybody pray for the Holy Ghost like she prayed for the Holy Ghost. And I I went to her and I said, uh, <clears throat> Sister Carnes, I said, uh, you know, uh, we need to baptize you. She said, oh, but I was baptized in Jesus' name. Years ago, and she told me, she said, when I was like 12 years old, I was baptized in Jesus' name in, in Missouri, southern Missouri. And, and I said, are you sure it was in Jesus' name? Oh, yes. She prayed, and she prayed, and prayed, and she gets so close. But we just couldn't pray her through. And would you believe one day in prayer, I questioned God about this. I said, now, Lord, there's something going on. Now, this lady has lived a, uh, a very dedicated life. She has had a hard life. She struggled a lot. Broken marriage and, and, and you know, just some family problems. I said, Lord, she really does need the Holy Ghost. And, and you know, the Lord talked with me and, and, and told me exactly what the problem was. I went to her and I said, Sister Carnes, I want you to call. Do you, you know of anybody that was present when you were baptized? She said, oh, I have a sister. I said, I want you to call your sister and I want you to ask her, are you sure I was baptized in Jesus' name? Because I told her, I said, now, I know that I'm right in this, but I want you to check this out. God has not given you the Holy Ghost because you have not been baptized in Jesus' name. She said, you mean you have to be baptized in Jesus' name to receive the Holy Ghost? I said, well, a lot of people receive the Holy Ghost before they're baptized. Well, what about me? I said, because if you receive the Holy Ghost, we would never question your baptism. And you might die one of these days without being baptized in Jesus' name, thinking all this time you were. I want you to call. Would you believe the next day she called me up and said, I want you to come over, Brother Grant, because she lived in a, in a trailer, a mobile home. I went over there, and, and, and she said, you cannot believe. I talked to my sister, and I told my sister that I've been praying for the Holy Ghost, and I asked her, was I baptized in Jesus' name? She says, oh, my, Lucille, you're not... You're not messed up with those one God people. I said, well, what are you talking about? She says, oh, no. You were not baptized in Jesus' name. Don't you let them talk you into this.
Sister Carnes came to church the next service. We baptized her in Jesus' name, and guess what? She was immediately filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. That's just so fantastic. I made mention this morning of Sister Pearlie Phillips. Sister Pearlie Phillips came to our church. Uh, she was on fire. She had the Holy Ghost already. <clears throat> she was uh, worshiping with us. And, and one day when I was preaching, just like the Lord spoke to me and said, you need to question her about her baptism. And I went and asked her. She said, oh, I was baptized in Jesus' name. I said, Pearlie, I said, I want you to go back and I want you to question. She went back to Freeport. She called me from Freeport that afternoon. She said, Brother Grant, you were right. I went down there and I asked them, have I been baptized in Jesus' name? And they said, what? What are you talking about? She said, well, I'm going to this Jesus' name. I said, oh, no, Pearly, You're not going to a Jesus' name, church. <laughs> I spoke about the importance of Jesus' name this morning. You know the reason why people don't like the name of Jesus? Because the name of Jesus diametrically opposes human nature. Because it seeks to save it. And people don't like the name of Jesus. And they fight it. Because it points out all of their transgressions. See, that's the only saving name. That's the reason why Jesus said, they say they hate you. It's not you. It's me they hate. It's not you they hate. It's me. Pearlie came back and we baptized her in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. She said, thank you, Pastor Grant. Thank you, thank you, thank you for talking to me. Now, you see, this is what I'm talking about, that there are so many different things in life. And, and the issues of life are, I mean, they're real issues. Sometimes they're life or death matters. And, you know, the devil can just, he can get you discouraged and stop you. Just to give you, our bus ministry has been doing so great. We've been talking about this. Rich has been behind the pulpit talking about this. Our campus ministry has been doing great. A lot of our ministries have been doing great. But I remember when we launched out a little bit deeper into the bus ministry. and God began to bless. And several people are sitting here, right here tonight, as a result of our bus ministry several years ago. Pat and Bonnie Huber, I remember teaching them over. I don't know if we contacted them from the bus ministry, but, but I remember teaching them. And this is about the time which we really launched out in the bus ministry. We were running the bus ministry all around their house and everything. We bought a new bus, and would you believe, the first week, the thing caught on fire underneath the dash and burned all of the wires out. <clears throat> Several people came to me and said, I don't know, you think we should have bought that bus? I said, well, I don't know, but I don't know what, I'll pray about it. And I prayed about it, and I knew when I, when I left the prayer room, God says, I told you to buy that bus, and just because that you've had a problem doesn't mean that you fold up and quit. So I approached our people, and I said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to fix this bus, and just to teach the devil a lesson, we're going to buy another bus this next week. We'll fix them up. And you know what we did? Maybe not the next week, but in the very near future we bought another bus. And people began to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. See, you've got to know what God is doing. And if you really love God and you have that intimacy with God, you, you will know what God is doing. You know, you, you don't always know what... Uh, it's transpiring in your life. Sometimes you have to walk by faith. You, you know that. But I'm, I am saying, though, that, that you understand that, hey, all things work together for good to them that are called according to His purpose. Love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. And you understand that. And you know that. You can just see that. So there are adverse situations that come, but it doesn't get you down. Why? Because you know how to pray. You know how to seek God. You know that you're in on what God's doing. Now, the Lord said He was going to do a great work in these last days. 
And you're looking at a preacher who wants to be right smack dab in the middle of it. I want to be in on what God's doing. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The purpose of the church, according to Acts, uh, I say purpose of the church, according to Acts 20, 28. The purpose of the church, and I want to read Acts 20, 28. This doesn't tell you the purpose of the church, but it does tell you about the value of the church. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. To feed the church of God, now this is part, which he hath purchased with the shedding of his own blood. God shed his blood. God became man and came and shed his blood. The purpose of the church is to get people saved and keep people saved. And we must be involved with good balance and reaching out and reaching in. Reaching out to the lost and keeping people saved. This is so, so very important. Now I want to go over some things about Israel's spiritual delinquency. In other words, Israel reached the point in which she lost her personal relationship with God. I want to show you some of the, the symptoms that you can look for in your relationship with God. In other words, if you get uh, sick, you look for all these symptoms so that you can determine, you know, pretty much what's wrong with you and treat yourself or have the doctor to treat you. Maybe he looks for the symptoms. He looks for the symptoms to find out what to, to prescribe. But the first thing that Israel did in her backsliding, now I'm talking about the immediate backsliding that occurred just Prior to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, actually, it's 400 years before the birth of the Lord. But the condition continued up until the time. And it was responsible for Israel not having a prophet for 400 years. The voice of God was silch, nothing for 400 years. Because they lost their intimacy with God. Malachi 1, verse 1 and 2. Now, I'll not read all of these. But I want to give them to you for your reference, uh, for further study. The first thing that happened, God's love is ignored. In other words, God was reaching out. It was this one-sided relationship. They just wanted God to love them, but they did not return that love. It just wasn't there. Oh, yeah, they they knew that God loved them, but... They just ignored God's love. Just totally ignored it. And let me tell you something. When God's reaching out to you with love, He expects a response. You just came back from the marriage retreat, didn't you? How many of you went to the marriage retreat? Look at the hand. Brother Gordon Mallory is one of my favorites. He must have been great. He's just a scream, you know. He's just one of the funniest guys you've ever been around. But I'm here to tell you, he can really put some good meat on the table, can he? Give you some real good things. But you know, these marriage retreats, you come away and you just think, man, I've got the best wife or husband in the whole wide world. You know? Uh, we heard at one marriage retreat, and, and uh, the preacher said this actually happened. Uh, the man had not told his wife for about 30 years that he loved her. And uh, so she logged a major complaint in the pastor's office said, Well, your wife says that you haven't told her in 30 years that you loved her. And he says, Well, so what? He said, I told her after we got married, right after we got married, that I loved her. And until I come along and revoke it, it still stands. So where it is. <clears throat> well, you talk about intimacy. That sounds like something you put on a Valentine's card, doesn't it? <clears throat> you see this big old... Sour dill pickle on a Valentine's card that says, Be my Valentine. 
<clears throat> this is the way the relationship with, was with God. I'm going to tell you something. I don't know of anything in the world, anything in the world that will bring more pleasure than a few moments alone with God. Feeling after God. Seeking after God. Now, Malachi 1, verse 8, I want to read this one. God's proper sacrifice is ignored. Look what they did. And if you offer the blind for a sacrifice, is it not evil? If you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? In other words, <coughs> they were to offer their best sacrifices, their best animals to the Lord. The perfect sacrifice. The one that had been examined. The one that had been quarantined, isolated, without a blemish. Were they doing that? No. You know what they were doing? They were keeping the best ones and they'd go out in the field. Well, here's one's going to die anyway. I'll give it to God. Now, some people, that's, that's, that's the way their, their relationship with God goes. If I, if I get caught up on my hobbies, uh, if nobody stops by the house, uh, you know, if I, if I get a little bored, I guess I'll pray. I guess I'll read my Bible. I guess I'll do something spiritual. Let somebody stop by the house, miss church. You know what you need to do to friends that stop by your house on Sunday? Come on to church anyway, and you'll stop them from doing that. You may say, oh, wouldn't that be rude? Well, don't you know that the devil can talk with people and send them over to your place on Sunday? You ever thought about that? That that might be a carefully designed plan to get you out of the house of God? Have you ever thought about that? Sure, teach him a lesson. Be kind to the people, but let the people know, I go to church on Sunday, and I don't miss unless I'm just too sick to go. Follow what I'm saying? Really? Because after a while, you're just offering God just the leftovers. The leftovers of everything. Well, I guess I could get involved in an outreach, but a bowl on Tuesday nights? Well, I've had people tell me things like that. I don't know. You go right down the line, you just see self, 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 self. That's what you see. Now, last Sunday night, I stepped on a few toes. I guess maybe I, I ought to do this again tonight. See, the doctor has me on an antibiotic, two of them actually, and you don't just stop taking it all of a sudden because you have some withdrawal problems. So I'm in the last stages of this. So I'm down now where I just take one. I'm taking two different kinds. So I'm taking one in the morning and nothing in the evening. So the doctor says, no, you don't just... Take the full dose and you just stop this, you know. Not not this. You gotta you gotta take you gotta taper off. So I'm gonna taper off a little bit. Because after Sunday night, if I stop tonight, some of you'd have withdrawal problems. <laughs> you'd probably get out in the car and start kicking and having a fit. You know, you need, to, you need to make sure that when you stop ministries, it's not for selfish reasons. You know, we have some covenants around here. Like, we, we ask our Sunday school teachers, uh, if you're going to teach in a class, not to have a TV. You know. And uh, we've had teachers to, to say, well, I, I guess I can't teach then because I have a TV. Well, you have to understand. Now, listen to me. There's another side of this. The other side is, do you mean to tell me you would stop? You'd lay your ministry aside. You listen to the other side of this story. You mean to tell me you'd sacrifice your ministry that God called you to do? 
And you wouldn't go in there and share your precious talents with these precious little kids that need God. You'd lay that aside for our TV. <laughs> See, that's the other side of it. See, basically that's what you're saying. I'm just going to give God the blind, the, the sick and the lame. Now, this is what he says. God says, you wouldn't take that animal in and give it to the governor, would you? No. In other words, if you're running on the Olympic team, you'd discipline yourself, wouldn't you? Have you ever read of some of the rigorous training uh, times that some of these people have had? Hours. was reading in the paper. Back during this Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding thing. And, and they were saying, we sometimes spend 18 hours a day on the ice. I said, why? Let's take little naps. It must be small now. Yeah, you do that. I mean, when you get, when it gets down to a, there's a, you know, there's just a, a little from, from Madison, Eric Hyden that, won this five gold medals. So how did you develop your legs like this? He said, I took huge bungee cords and tied them together. And I skated in a circle while people stood out in the middle and tried to pull me back. I was flattening myself many times on the ice. But I made up my mind, I'm going to keep going. I want to give it my best shot because I want gold. You want gold someday? You want to go to heaven? Make sure when you're making decisions that you're not so hooked on self because you will end up giving to God less than your best. God's given you a ministry and He wants you to work. Make sure you don't lay it aside because of some selfishness that you have. Make sure you don't do that. You wouldn't take it in for the governor, he said, but you'll give it to me. Another thing is, Malachi 1 verse 6, they failed to revere God's name. I preached about the name of Jesus this morning. I think, I think there's one thing we need to do. We need to revere God's name. I like to see, let me tell you something. I like to see people revere, respect the house of God. It all goes hand in hand, really. You know, when you walk in, you just can't turn your kids loose. They'll go play. I mean, that's the way it is, you know. They'll just go play. And you see, everything here should be geared to please God. Is this the way the Lord wants it? I know our services are longer than they are in some of the denominational services, which happen, or say, which happen, which happen one time a week and last for 45 minutes or less. I understand that. And I know that kids get fidgety, but I do know this, that services today are a whole lot shorter than it used to be many years ago. And kids were made to just sit up there. I mean, you just sit there. You know what's wrong with kids today? They have too many options. Too many options. Okay, if you don't want to do this, then do this. If you don't want to do this, then do this. After a while, it's I got 14 different toys. Can't figure out which one to play with in church. Follow what I'm saying? So kids have too many options today. If they don't want to do this, you put them doing this. Too many toys, too many options. So now you're grounded to your room. Well, what am I supposed to do when I go in my room? Well, you can do this or this or this or this. And they got about 14 different options when they're grounded. So there is a time if you want to make them, you've got to take all these options away. 
So when they come here to the house of the Lord, you know how many options they have? They can take out running in the back. They can go to the pop machine. They can run down here. They can, they can wrestle with someone. They can go in that room and play. They can go over here. Lots of options. And there is also a time in which all options should be taken away from us. And we have to discipline ourselves. When we come in the house of God, we come here to respect and revere His name. Really, we have to do that. Then Malachi 1 and 8, they lack faith in God's Word. They were offering improper sacrifices, which denoted that they lacked faith in God's Word. Then Malachi 3, verse 4 through 6, they failed to have faith in the one true God. They turned to sorcery and occultism. <clears throat> you know, sometimes it's just a matter of a sentence, and they're, they're, they, they're out worshiping idols. You say, how can that happen? Well, it happened more than just, you know, stepping over one line and going into it. It was more than that. But they went into that. How could people that knew God... Knew the Lord and the power of the Holy Ghost resort to something like this. How could they do that? How could they do that? Because the God of this world, the devil, blinds their eyes. Then the last thing that we find in the book of Malachi is they ignored God's financial system. Malachi 3, 7. In other words, <clears throat> they would not support now, you've got to keep this in mind, that the tithing is God's idea. This was the support of the work of the Lord. Now, it's hard for me to understand that a person, a man or a woman, would come to the house of the Lord and say, I love you, Jesus. I worship you, God. God says, now I have a system, a financial system, which I bless you and which the world has reached, and that is that you pay one-tenth of your gross and to the house of the Lord for the ministry of my work. And you say, I love you, God, and I want you to reach people, but I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to cooperate with you, Lord. And then all the while you're saying, I hope you bless me, God. <clears throat> See, that's not the way intimacy works. You go out to get your wife a valentine. You're going to wait until the stores are going to close on the 14th so you can go in and get a cheapie. They mark them half price, you know. Or wait till the next day where they're almost giving away these little hearts. <clears throat> That's not the way intimacy works. Does it? You know, <clears throat> you, you consider my wife. Now, I know that I have been such a good husband. <laughs> I mean, nobody could be a better husband than me. I know that. No, seriously speaking. You know, when I think about, you know, you think she just gives up her life and follows me. She has my children, because they're her children, too. But you think of all the suffering and the pain involved in all this. And you think about it. And truthfully, there are days in which I have gotten up on the wrong side of the bed, so to speak. You know, just grouchy. And I'd, I'd leave, and I could tell, you know, she wanted to kiss me by. She always wants to kiss me by, because I always want to kiss her by. But... If I want to strike at her, all I have to do is not act excited about it. All right. She comes up and she puts her loving arms around me. I'm just standing there just as cold as an icicle in January. Now, she said, now what kind of a kiss is that? I said, well, it's, it's a kiss. 
Then I go get in the, the, the car to leave, and she'll be standing there, and she'll, she'll wave. And I'll just kind of cut mine and just throw up my hand. In this. See you later. You know, you get down the road, and you're think, thinking, you know, boy, you're talking about a, an ignoramus. I, I said, I, I have got to be... I got to be smarter than this. I mean, man. I think about one of our children when the child was born. My wife screamed so loudly I couldn't stand it. I could hear her down the hallway. You know, women don't have children popping bubbles, do they? I don't think so. Oh dear! I said all of this just for a child. Oh. And you see the whole point of the financial system. All of this, just to get all these people here. So, oh, I'll wait and shop for a bargain, Lord. I'll wait till I can do something real nice for you. It didn't cost me anything. And for a per- person to purposefully withhold money, it's God's idea. You cheap scape you need to give the Lord the biggest valentine you can give him so to speak in other words you need to just pray through and ask God to forgive you see and the Lord even goes so far and says bring you all the tithes in the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now God is saying hey you old cheap scape I'm putting John Grant in here God's probably kinder than that. Sometimes he's not quite as kind as I am. But nevertheless, see, so I wouldn't go out and stick a knife in your tire. But God might let you hit a bolt down the street. You follow what I'm saying? He has a way to getting it back, doesn't he? See, yeah. I might not go out there and, and pour sugar in your gas tank to destroy your engine, but God might allow something to get in there and just go boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom, boom. You say, what happened to this? See, God has a way of getting it. Okay. But he says, why don't you just prove me? Let's don't make this a one-sided relationship. I keep giving and giving and giving. All I'm asking is one-tenth of your gross. And you say, well, I think I'll just kind of... In the sweet by and by. The by and by might not be so sweet. Now, please understand, I'm putting a whole lot of myself in this, but God called me to help. And so God is just saying, just prove me. Step out by faith. Let me tell you something. No faith works until there's intimacy. Faith in faith alone doesn't work. It has to be faith in God. Faith in God. You know, I look up on Brother Rich Thomas is making application for a license. Rich Thomas wants to start a church in Stoughton. Rich Thomas came to me. His business was zilch. He shared to me with me how much he owed the Internal Revenue Service. He was an alcoholic. Well, Rich Thomas came and gave his heart to God. I mean, he created an intimacy with God. And I've seen this man, not only this man, but his wife and his family just blossom and bloom and bud and grow. He has an intimacy with God. Rich is not the only one. All the way to the back. I saw these two young men stand up here. Joe Thorpe and Craig Rossing. These young men graduated from our Christian school. They were standing here so tall and so handsome. Standing here, they thank the Lord for the Christian school. But thank God for committed parents who would show them the way. Teach them right from wrong. Prove the way of the Lord. 
Oh, hallelujah. So, you see, you can't have faith without this intimacy. It has to be there. You've got to be able to get right in the face of God. Right in the face of God. Every now and then, I just want to just be mean. Just to be mean. You know, just things. My wife, you cannot believe. She's a real sweetheart to put up with me. Shh, don't say amen. You know, not too long ago, she came and got my face just like this. She put her nose right on my nose. She said, close your eyes. I closed my eyes. Then she said, open. And when you open, you only see one eye. What are you trying to do? I said, I can only see one eye. She says, I want to be one with you. If I could communicate my true feeling about oneness with God and oneness with your brothers and sisters, how important it is. But it all starts with God. Do you think that God is going to let you down? I talked about tithing, and this goes. I mean, if you're if you do what God, you think God's going to, He's going to pour out an abundant blessing upon you. He's going to bless you beyond measure. He says He will. He said, "Prove me." But all of this is because I love God and I care for you, God. You have never let me down. You've never failed me. Be still and know Psalm 4610. You know, sometimes we just get so excited about everything. Sometimes we don't slow down long enough to even know what God's all about. Stand still, Moses, and see the salvation of the Lord. Isaiah 40, 31. My closing scripture. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. When I was in high school, in senior high, Sister Grant and I were just madly in love. <clears throat> you have to watch about these high school relationships. You know, puppy love leads to a dog's life. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's the craziest thing. You know, love can make you do some funny things then. We were together all day long, and then we had we had to call each other at least twice. And the thing about it is they didn't even have a phone in their house. She had to go up to her Aunt Margie's to call. It was kind of diagonal across up through the field. She'd go up there and call. Then when she get on the phone, my mother says, who are you talking to? I said, darling. She said, you're not saying anything. I said, but she's not saying anything. <laughs> How can you just stand on the phone not saying anything? Well, I don't know. Didn't seem to be too important to me. It's just she was there. You know, I, and, and just around to tell you this, sometimes I want to, on my day off, I say, I want to I, I go down to the barn and work. And I go down about 30 minutes. She, I come back up and she says, what are you doing at the house? I said, wouldn't you like to work down here? She said, well, I'm not going to do any of that. I said, well, there's something down there that you can do, surely. She came over and said, I know, you just want me down there by you. I said, yeah, hon. That's the essence of it. I just want you down there by me. I don't care whether you say anything. I don't care whether you do any work. Just come down there and sit by me while I'm working and don't you feel that way about your God just be with me Lord just whatever I'm doing you just be there with me God I want you to stand at this time oh God my Jesus my Jesus my Jesus Lord God is so good. Lord, I love you.
Listen, without any hype or anything, let's just tell the Lord how much we love Him. I love you, Jesus. I love you, God. Oh, God. Oh, I love you, God. More of you, I've had all oh, of what I need. Is just, just more of you. Of things I've had my fill. Oh. Our altar is open now. Would you like to come and pray? Oh, God. You know, it's always so touching to see these children come. More of you. That's it. Everybody come. Everybody find someone to pray with. 